This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Praise God. So, we've been talking about um, faith, right? We're talking about faith. And I'm happy that um, many of us are up to speed. And, and it's a particular message that is important for us to understand properly. Um, like I said, the message of faith is something that, um, because of the emphasis that happened in the 80s on particular dimensions of faith, um, that emphasis led to a kind of neglect of the greater picture of what faith is actually about. Do you understand that? No, there's a way that you can understand the topic, you can understand the concept, you understand what something is about, and then there's a deficiency, and then you focus and make an emphasis and cone down on that deficiency. And then because you do that, over time, you find yourself neglecting all the other important things that pertain to the subject matter. Do you understand that? And so because of the emphasis on faith vis-a-vis the believer's authority and how, it's, how the believers need to live a triumphant life in this world, and because of that emphasis on faith, something happened over time. There began to be a neglect of the bigger picture of what faith actually means. And then because those that learnt the message from those who wanted to emphasize the deficiency, they learnt it based on the emphasis, not based on the larger picture. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? The first generation understood what it meant, focus. The next generation that came after them took the focus and forgot the other things. And then over time, what they now passed down now became this kind of very interesting, funny view of faith. And so that's why people begin to say things boldly like, if your faith says yes, God cannot say no. Do you understand that? People began to think of faith as the ability of the force of will of a person, of a Christian, to make things happen. Faith began to become self-centric. Faith began to become about the will of a person. If your will can focus and desire something, and believe it will happen. If you can do it hard enough, you can get whatever you want. But that's not what faith is. That is faith in only a very minute, particular sense. Do you understand that? That's faith in only a very small sense. It is not faith. And if you think that that is the whole what faith is about, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to find yourself talking like a new age person. Because this idea that the world is supposed to change to your will, the world is supposed to bend in accordance to your will, is a new age mysticism kind of thing. It's not actually the faith of Christ. And so that's why the series, and now every part of this series until I end, I think will most likely end on Wednesday. Every part of this series, I'm going to continue to remind you that what faith is about is knowing and believing in God. It is knowing and believing his will and then conducting yourself accordingly. Are we together at church? Faith is agreeing with God on his own terms. Faith is agreeing with God on his own terms. Faith is knowing God, knowing his will, and acting accordingly. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Again, I will emphasize. I said chapter 1, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. The, the interpretation of this scripture has become popular is, is a testament to what I described about the phenomenon of what the teaching of faith became. 
Now, faith is confidence about what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What is that thing that we are hoping for? What is that thing that we do not see that faith is being assured about it? If you read the entire scripture in context, because this scripture did not just come from heaven. The, the, the writer did not just start talking. He was coming from somewhere. And we see that from where he was coming from, he was talking about what God has promised. So faith is the confidence of what we hope for. What is that thing that we hope for? It is God that promised it. It's not you that cooked it. Do you understand that? What you are hoping for is what God promised. It's not what you cooked. What we do not see is what he promised, not what you cooked up. Mark chapter 11, when he says that he that says to this mountain, be ye moved and be ye cast into the sea. That statement was not just God, Jesus, coming to explain to the believers that if you can have a strong will and a strong faith, and you can focus, and you can look at that mountain, and you can believe it hard enough, that mountain will move. That teaching was in the context of, that statement was in the context of a teaching. And what was the teaching? What was the context of the teaching? Jesus cursed a tree that was not bearing fruit when it was supposed to be bearing fruit or when it looked like it should be bearing fruit. And why did Jesus do that? Did Jesus just come and flex his will, just flex his, his volition to show that he has the power to do that kind of thing? No, we've seen from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Isaiah, John the Baptist, Jesus, the apostles, they kept telling us over and over that a tree that does not bear fruit, the father will do what? Cut. Any tree that does not bear fruit, the father will do what? Cut. So that's why Jesus did it. So when Jesus was speaking to that tree, he was fulfilling the word of God. He was doing what God had promised. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? He was fulfilling what God has promised. And they understood where he was coming from. So when he was telling them, he that says to this mountain, he was speaking based on that context that I was fulfilling God's word and I spoke to that tree. In the same way, if you are fulfilling God's word and you speak to a mountain, no matter how big it is, it will fall. Do you understand that? What do we hope for? Hebrews chapter 10. Just scroll back up. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Let's just read from verse 32. Remember those earlier days when you had received the light, when you endured a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. So these Christian Hebrews were going through persecution and they were at the danger of rejecting what they had believed before. And then he was, he was writing a word to encourage them, to let them know that their faith is the faith of Christ or the faith that is genuine. Now he now says, you suffered along with this in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourself had a better and lasting possession. So you, they knew something. Go on. Verse 5 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has what? Promised. So that thing they knew, that possession they knew they had. He said they should hold on to their faith. They should persevere and hold on to it so that after they have, everything has reached the culmination, that thing, that, that possession that they knew they had, they will receive what he has promised. Who promised it? Verse 37. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Now faith is... Do you understand that? Now? So it is what God has promised. Faith is not if you believe hard enough, if you confess consistently enough, you will get that visa. No. Faith is if God has promised me a visa, I believe it is will happen. Do you understand that? 
Do you understand that? Faith is not if you believe hard enough for a car. I believe that we have a car. I believe it. I will confess it. I will keep my confession consistent. For three years, it will not happen. And it doesn't help that guys will come and bring their testimonies and they will not tell us the other part of the story. You see, I held my confession even when it did not look like it. And I be, that is a very tiny part of faith. Touch out together. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. So I want to put the entire teaching in context because we'll talk about how to find the will of God and everything. And I want to talk about sacrifice by faith because it's very instrumental. So I began by explaining what faith is, right? So faith is knowing God because if you don't know God, if you know God, don't know God's character, if you don't know what he's capable of, hmm, you can't say you have faith. So faith is to know God and know the kind of person that he is. Then you know what he has promised because you can know the kind of person that he is and you don't know if he has promised anything. You know what he has promised, both in the common sense, we talked about it in the will of God, both in the common sense and in the particular sense. There are some things that, that are common to all of us. There are some things that God has promised that pertain to all of us, right? And there are some things that pertain to you based on your coordinates in space-time. There are some things that pertain to you that cannot pertain to any other person. They simply cannot because you're not born. God that is deliberate to give each and every one of us different fingerprints knows that there are some things about your path, how some things will happen to you that cannot be the story of another person. So there are some things that are particular to you. Faith is to now know those things that God has promised and then act what accordingly. Hallelujah. And so that implies Ephesians chapter, just like Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, that see, we are God's workmanship created before the foundations of the earth for us to do good works. You know, like, you know, like we talked about in the series on purpose, Jesus speaking, um, you know, Hebrews speaking, the writer of Hebrews speaking about Jesus who was prophesied in the book of Psalm chapter 40 talks about, see, and I have come to do your will, O Lord. So, every one of us is created with a purpose, and our purpose is to do something for God. Church, out together. Our purpose is to do something for God. Our purpose is to do something for God. And let me emphasize again, that as far as doing this something for God is concerned, obviously, again, there are some things that are, we are supposed to do that is common to all of us that all of us will do. And there are some things that you will do that, are, that pertain to only you in terms of what God wants you to do. Church, out together. Praise God. And when you look at everything in that context, you understand Matthew chapter 6. This is like a, I want to cap, put everything together so that this message can, so that this, so that this message will not seem like that message that you just learn and you learn. And then you can use it to argue people on Twitter, but you are not using it in your life. It's actually the just shall live by faith. You need to understand this because it will affect your outlook. It will actually affect your outlook. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 to 9. We talked about the, the, the Lord's Prayer, and the Bible says that. Our uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is what? In heaven. God has a preferred will. There is something that is the will of God in heaven that he wants done on earth. I explained to you that the will of God is like a set. It's like a group of options. And we see this thing cons- consistent from the Old Testament. In fact, from the Garden of Eden down to now, we'll see that God gives us options. And all those options are within the boundaries of God's sovereignty. So that God is both sovereign a man has agency at the same time. God, ex- God demonstrates his sovereignty by giving us the boundaries of our existence. He gives us the options of how we are going to live our lives. So it is the God that created the, the tree of life and also created the tree of knowledge of good and evil and said, choose one. So in a sense, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in a sense, is God's will. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? In a sense, God permitted it. God tolerated it. Because if God did not tolerate it, there are some things about his sovereignty or the larger plan that he has for us that cannot be fulfilled. So God tolerated that option. In the same way in your life, you will find there are some things that God prefers for you. 
But things can also go wrong and God will be looking at you. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Because those other options are God's tolerated will. God tolerates it in order for his whole counsel to be fulfilled. He will tolerate it. So that's why a believer can lead a life where they'll still be living in sin and God will tolerate it. That's why you can see some painful things happen in the world. You know, some bad things happen to people in the world and it seems like as if God tolerates it. Because the possibility of that thing happening has to be allowed so that the whole counsel of God can be fulfilled. God has to tolerate people having agency where they can do both good and evil. Because human beings that, cannot have, that, that do not have the ability to choose both good and evil are not human beings. Do you understand that? They are just keyboards. They are just microphones. Do you understand that? Church, all together. So there's a preferred will. There's a will of God in heaven that he wants done on earth. There's something. There's a preferred will. There's a better way. There's choose ye this day, life and death. Choose life. Like the Israelites, you say, I want to be your king. Allow me to be your king. But no, I will want judges. Okay, take your judges. So there are some things that God will allow you if you want to be allowing it to be your, your problem, right? But there are some things that are better. There are some things that are preferred. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by reading your mind so that you can be able to prove, you know, you can be able to prove, so you can be able to demonstrate, so you can be able to show that good, perfect will of God. Do you understand that? Church, all together. <laughs> Praise God. So there are some things that God wants better for you. So as you begin to walk by faith, understanding that God has some things that he wants, he wants you to do, what will happen is that, so let's imagine yourself, you're on the journey of purpose. You're on the journey of the will of God, right? So God has put, you have, you have put yourself in a track and you're supposed to fulfill the will of God. One of the things that will happen is that because of that, because of by reason of the kind of human beings that you are, you're going to have desires. Church, all together. You're going to have desires. You're going to have things that you want. You're going to have things that you want. And so because you have things that you want, you're going to have to walk by faith. And what that means is that, see, some of those desires that you're going to have, some of them by default will be the plan of God for you. Especially as you grow up spiritually. Do you understand that? As you grow spiritual, as you renew your mind, Romans chapter 12, as you renew your mind and become a better and better believer, some of those desires will be by default also God's desires for you. And there are times that those desires will not be God's desires for you. But as you walk with God, God will align your steps. That's why the message about knowing the will of God comes into place. Do you understand that? So, there are sometimes by, remember the five things that we said, but sometimes that by using your brain, you can know what the will of God is for you. There are some things that you don't need any witness in your heart, you don't need the Holy Spirit, just use your brain. Right? You can know the will of God for you by just using your head in terms of relationship. You see a person demonstrating certain behavior, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you. You know that if you use your brain, this is, this is not the will of God for me. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That's why humanity will be able to do certain things, science and technology, that will prosper and humanity will prosper. There are certain things that the will of God, that by just using your brain, human beings can know that this thing is not good. Church out together. You commit your way into the Lord and begin to, you know, you commit your way into the Lord, but you live by the Spirit. And by living by the Spirit, we explain that living by the Spirit just means by living by God's Word. Living according to things that are virtuous and God is with you already. If you are someone that is living according to God's word, right, 99% of the decisions you will ever make will be already God's will. Do you remember that? Philippians chapter 4. If you live on things that are virtuous, things that are noble, if you think on things that have praise, if there be any praise in them, if you think about these things, if you do things that are good, if you live by the Spirit, that means you follow God's word, live by the Spirit alone. That means in your place of work, just live like a Christian. 
Don't talk anyhow. Live the way Christians do. Do your work as a Christian. By just doing that, by default, 99% of decisions you ever make are settled. Then there will be some decisions that are unique to you that will be more sophisticated. I'm talking about the higher sophisticated decisions like two companies are trying to poach you. You cannot see the future. And even by living as a believer, doing the right things, talking to people properly, you still cannot tell which one will be proper. Right? Things like relationship. Right? Um, Two brothers are toasting you, and both of them are good. You have used your brain. You have used God's word. Both of them have good value systems. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you just, you know, many of relationship problems because you want to live like an unbeliever. If you just live by it as a child of God, study God's word, know what the Christian values are expected of a Christian. That's why you notice that there's not too much algorithm about marriage choices in the Bible. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that whenever we're teaching relationship stuff, we have to be going outside the Bible to be trying to make your head to be correct. Because there is an assumption that if all of you are Christians and you are believers, you will not have problem. So if you do that, what you will notice is that your decision will be much easier. So there are a few cases of people where objectively based on what you can see, both of them are by the Spirit. Both of them are good, sound, based on God's word. The values are good and everything. Both of them are romantic and all that. You cannot see the future. You do not know the one. Both of them might even be good, and maybe God wants one. God prefers one for you that will help you to do what you want to do in life. That's when you will now start talking about prayer and the witness. Do you understand that? That's when there's a witness in our hearts. There's a non-transferable knowledge of revelation. Like the witness in our heart when we are saved. Where it's not somebody that told you. It's information from inside. It's not necessarily a loud voice in your ear because God is not talking to you from outside. God is now inside of you. So he's talking to you from where? Inside. Where you just know. It's, you know, the neuroscience, they call it qualia. You cannot transfer it. You cannot teach another. You cannot, you'll be telling another person that, I just know. Yes. You just say, I just know. How do you describe color yellow to another person? You cannot. Have you tried it before? Describe color blue to another person. The only thing you would do is to use things that they already know. You say, it looks like the sky. When you know there's a problem about colliers in things that we experience on our inside are non-transferable, is try to describe color blue to someone who has never seen since they were born. They've never seen in their life. They, they don't know what blue is. Describe blue to them. You know, it's a color. It looks like blue. <laughs> you can't. That is the way the witness is. Church, are we together? So, so that's the way to be. You have some desires that are by default. Some are not by default. And then as you're working as a child of God properly, you know, everything will be falling into line. Sometimes you'll make some mistakes. But God in his endless creativity will find a way to turn it around. Do you understand that? So you are, as long as you have committed your way to the Lord, you are inside of it, you know, you're working like that and it's going. Church, are we together? So, and then we began to say that, okay, so now having understood that, the next thing that now comes, that's, where, that's what's prompted um, um, the last part of, this, of the series, which is the war, um, um, what's the other title again? Spiritual warfare. That's what prompted it. So in the, if you read the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, there are some things that are implicit that are not explicit. Some things in their stories are implicit in the story that you cannot see if you just read it. You have to now study deeper and look at their stories in details for you to begin to pick up some things because after I've preached it now, it's very sweet. Say walk by faith and be trusting God and uh, believing by the Spirit and just be walking and be walking and then God will be organizing your steps and ordering your steps. Easy like you say, yes, glory. Yeah, let's go and live by faith. 
And then you go out of this place now, you see problem. <laughs> right? So there are some things that are implicit in the story that you need to be aware of that, that was common to all of them. One of the issues was that they actually had to fight to stay on the faith lane. Hey, I just said like Pastor Dilly. They had to fight to stay on that path of faith. They had to fight. They faced spiritual warfare. And I explained to you that spiritual warfare is about things that don't want you to stand. Things that want to make you fall out of faith. Things that don't want you to stand. And we talked about how Apostle Paul teaches us how to go about it. Very easy and straightforward. If you follow that Ephesians chapter 6 teaching, you will stand by faith. Hallelujah. So that was the essence of that teaching. So that, you know, because now that you're in faith and you're knowing the will of God and God is working with you, some things will come. And those things, both painful and pleasurable, I was telling you guys, get your mind, you know the reason why many people don't understand um, spiritual warfare is that everybody's waiting for Ayamatanga to show up on their window. They are waiting for a, a witch's voice to sound in the night for you to know that you are under attack. That's not spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is anything that will not make you to stand. Like we said about the story of Job. The essence of Job's affliction was so that he can curse God. And in his case, Satan analyzed Job already. And he analyzed him because we can see that prosperity did not make Job to curse God. So Job said, Satan said, you don't need to curse him. He already has been blessed. That's why he's blessing you. That's why he's worshipping you, because he's blessed. So in, in Job's case, prosperity did not make him to become an atheist. You know, there are some people like that. <laughs> prosperity did not make him to become an atheist, so God now, Satan now said, ah, the way we will deal with him now is to take it away from him so that he can curse God. But there are some people that because they have spent their whole life in trenches, trenches cannot make them to curse God again. In fact, that's when they pray more. When Satan shows up to God, what he will tell him is that this one, give him tech bro work. 500k per month or long, or lighter life, someone will be like, he will curse you. And Satan will be right. Some people just give them tech bro, you know, see them for church again. See, I want to live stream. It's the night I coded till very late in the night. You know the way Lagos is, really. <laughs> and then he will not come to church again. Next thing, he's hanging out, he's doing, he's doing Zoom call with some guys in India and China. And those ones, they are having talk and then they're saying, you know, eh, we don't believe in God here. Let's just all of us just hold our God. Next thing, after three months, four months, you start hearing him saying, all of us believe in God. We're all worshiping the same God. Real pray. Once you get there, that's your own affliction. Do you understand that? That's why Apostle Paul called it schemes. Apostle Paul, Paul called it schemes. So those are the things that can actually make you to stop. That is the reason why to reduce the faith message to the ability to increase prosperity in, in prosperity is it's not fair to that message. Oh. Because there are some people that they're actually using that prosperity that you're praying for. Is that what they're using to destroy their lives? Do you understand that? Do you understand that? How does that even make sense? No, faith is not about visa. No, it's not. Faith will be about visa if the will of God for you is to go to Canada. And then Satan wants to block it. Do you understand that? That's when your faith is about what? Visa. Church, hmm. out together. So you need to stand. You need to stand. You need to stand. And I'm telling you, um, it's, that's why I was telling you sometimes, sometimes ago that it looks like as if before demons were common. And now, nowadays, um, demons are not, like demons are scarce nowadays. You haven't noticed. It's like demons are not as common as they were before. 
We don't even need to look at biblical times. Just look at our own um, history in Nigeria. Demons are scarce. In the days of Apostle Babalola, demons were very common. Everybody was possessed up and down. And like as if there's no more demonic possession again. See, people are still possessed, but the scheme, the tactic has what? Changed. The days of using all these uh, scary people with beds, the bats to show in your window and all that, that's because at that time, our, you know, my parents came, they said a lot of things. At that time, people were very scared of those kind of things, pagan gods and witches. So that's what Satan, Satan was doing to afflict people and then people will you know, maybe begin to believe in all those gods. You know, you will use the power of those gods to harm. Oh, God, you're not your bad people. I'm sorry. They will use it to intimidate people. They use the power of witchcraft to intimidate people so that people can believe that the power of witchcraft was greater. Do you understand that? But the problem now is that what witches were using power to do, iPhone is doing it. So the demonic possession will change. So you seem like as if, it feels like as if you're not under any warfare. I'm telling you now, you're fighting for your life. And let me tell you the things you're fighting with is in your hand. I can understand you. See it. TV. You are fighting for your life, but you don't know. It feels like as if there's no spiritual warfare because your parents told you that in their days, spiritual warfare was by witchcraft. Listen to me. You are fighting for your life as you are now. Anything that will not allow you to stand. You are following some people on Twitter. You don't know that that is the witchcraft that they are using to get you. And then you are getting offended. Like I was saying on Wednesday, there is no trend in this life that does not ultimately end in somebody abusing the gospel. There is no anger. The government messes up. Churches are at fault. It's the fault of pastors. It's the fault of Christians. Because they are the ones that are not endorsing good candidates. Okay, we will not endorse again. You people are mad. It's because you are not endorsing that bad people are coming. Okay. And a man beat his wife in his house. That is the reason why we need to understand feminism and fight for women. Okay. It is because Christians are preaching submission. It is the fault of Christians. Egbawan now. There's no, there's no trend. Go and check. They are fighting for your soul. That's why it seems like as if all the different philosophies in this world have one common enemy, the faith of Christ. Have you not noticed? There is no religion, there is no other system of thinking that does not have allies in the world. Islam has allies. They are protected by the establishment. If you are gay and you wake up and say you want to be a woman tomorrow, they will protect you. The way things are, let me not get into all that. The only system that is not protected, the only system where all of a sudden you don't have equal rights of religion is when it comes to Christians. You are fighting for your soul. I get what I'm saying to you. The only religion where they are killing people just because of their faith is still Christianity. Since the world began till now, all over the world, currently now Nigeria is holding the, the title for the country with the most persecuted Christians. People don't know in Lagos, but people are dying every day in the north. Christians are literally dying every day for their faith and are still going to church. Every day. It's the one you hear on social media. I got to know some things, privileged information, some years ago when the church was dismantled and I was trying to raise money for them. That's when Sabu called me from Abuja and said, calm down. Calm down. There's a policy in Abuja now that any kind of people highlighting the news about persecution of Christians, they come for you. I say, eh? they say, yes. The Abuja does not want you talking about Christian persecution. They actually, there's a policy to shut the news down. He said, did I care for you when I shout to you? I say, I'm going to go before someone come and kill me for my life. I have two children. 
<laughs> so they're all together. So you have to stand. Another thing that is implicit in the story of faith, in the work of faith, is that you are actually going to make sacrifices. God has something for you to do. He has things for, he has plans for your life. When you are beginning to walk by faith and you are fulfilling the purpose of God for your life, right? And you, are, you, know, you know God, you know his will for you and you are walking accordingly and you are walking by faith so you don't fall, you don't lose faith and all that. Another thing that will help you to fulfill God's purpose for your life and to walk in faith is that you have to make sacrifices. This is another thing that is implicit in the story of all these men. Let's read Hebrews chapter 1 and let's just read it down very quickly. Now, faith is the, is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about things we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. So Abel sacrificed and he suffered for it. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death he could not be found because God had taken him away, for he was taken and he was commended as one who pleased God. We know that Enoch had to sacrifice the pleasures of this world and living with the people of this world and condemn it. He had to be ostracized, social, ostrac social ostracism, right? Because of walking by faith, we have that commentary from the book of Jude, verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, exists, and that he rewards those who honestly seek him. By faith, Noah was warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an act to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So Noah had to sacrifice. Abraham's own is even. Noah had to sacrifice the fact that he was on his own. Listen to me. Standing for your belief when the whole world does not believe what you believe is correct. There is a sacrifice involved. The easy thing is to follow the trend. Do you understand that? The easy thing is to follow what everybody is saying. And this thing is a serious matter. Believers, listen to me. One of the things you are going to have to sacrifice in this age that we are in hmm, is social acceptance. Social validation. You will sacrifice it all. If your problem in life because of your background and your family baggage and your daddy issues is that you are looking for people to validate you, come and receive healing from God's word. Come and receive healing from church. You cannot be who you are meant to be in Christ if you are looking for validation. They will ratio you. If you have not been ratioed, there's a problem. And I mean that figuratively, right? Because not everybody's on Twitter, but in your private life, if they are not ratioing you, there's a problem. I guess what I'm saying to you. Let's go on. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would rather receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home and the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So one of the sacrifices that Jake Abraham made was that he left things, he left his security for insecurity. He left what he knew for what was unknown. He left what was comfortable for what was uncomfortable. He made that sacrifice, and his heirs, by walking by faith, Isaac and Jacob, had to, had to do the same thing. Verse 10, for he was looking for, the, for to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. We're going to, we're going to use Abraham's message in life to finish this, to talk about this topic. 
And by faith, even Sarah, who was past age-bearing, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. So I was together. That's why Abraham believed. That's why someone could give birth at the age of 99 or 100. It's not, I believe I can do anything. It is because God said so. Let's go on. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Don't forget what I said, that the primary promise that was being referred to in Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 11 was actually salvation by faith. Do you understand that? It was actually salvation. It was actually God with man. And like he said, he that is coming will not tarry. I will show up. So God with man was actually the promise in this context. And many of these men saw that promise and they were looking forward to it. Do you understand that? However, the teaching of faith is not limited to just that promise. It pertains to all that concerns us. Do you understand that? So you have to understand that. That's another thing. People look at this message and they see only visa and car in it. The primary idea was actually about salvation, faith, salvation, believing in God. But God has promises that pertain to other things after salvation. That's why the writer of Hebrews also tells us that we, there are things that pertain to salvation. Do you understand that? So let's go on. Let's, let's go on. Verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. For they have been thinking of the country they, have left, they had left and they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God as he had prepared a city for them. So what they were looking for, what their faith was in, is something that God had prepared. I cannot stress it enough. I cannot stress it enough. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God had tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his only son. Even though God has sent to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. Abraham sacrificed. Now, like I said, each and every one of them had to sacrifice. But Abraham is unique in that his story has a very detailed and clear epitome of what faith is. There are some things that God did in Abraham that at the time did not make sense, that in retrospect now make perfect sense, that was beautiful in telling the story of faith and salvation as it was about to come. That's why a lot of things have been said (laughs) funnily in the teaching of the narrow version of faith that distorted the story of Abraham, distorted it, without appreciating the richness and the beauty that was actually communicated in that Abraham's whole story. Abraham's story is second to none. That's why the Bible tells us that he's the father of faith. Romans chapter 4, um, Romans chapter 4, verse 16 to 25, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9. We know that Abraham is the father of faith for all of us who believe. So Abraham is the archetype. We look to Abraham from whom we wake up. Abraham is the archetype of faith. And I'll tell you, you see some reasons why Abraham is the architect of faith. Genesis chapter 12. Let's run through Abraham's story. We'll read everything. We'll just run through it from the beginning. The beginning of Abraham's life is God calling Abraham and telling him to go to a land and I will bless you. So from day one, Abraham's faith was never, I want something and I will believe God for it and I'll get it. From day one, his faith was God promised something. I want you to go somewhere. God spoke to uh, verse, chapter 12 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. And the Lord said to Abraham. So from day one, Abraham's faith was, the Lord said to me. 
and he obeyed. Despite the uncertainty, despite all that was going on at the time, let me try and paint a picture. Um, Abraham was supposed to be like uh, 3000 BC. It was around the Bronze Age or something. This was the age when civilizations were, were still trying to organize themselves. And civilization was being built around warlords and the most violent person. The most violent person is the one that determines how civilization will go. This was the days when might was right. Do you understand that? This was the days when might was right, where you build civilization by being the most brutal person and instill fear, and people will look at you and follow you, and then you build civilization. <laughs> These were the days when might was right. This was the days when, just like his story tells us, someone will look at your wife and say your wife is fine, and your wife is now his wife. Just like that. No argument. These were the days when traveling was a life hazard. You would just wake up from one country in um, lower Mesopotamia and say you are going um, westward towards um, you know, where Judea is now, where Canaan is. They say you are just going. You are just going. With all the different roving bands of people that have been on the road that can kill you and scatter everything, you say you are going because you heard the voice that said you can go. Don't forget what I told you guys. Abraham did not have the Holy Spirit, so he was hearing voices. You have the Holy Spirit now. You shouldn't be hearing voices. Are we together? Before you see Abraham was hearing voices, means the voice is telling me to go and do something. <laughs> no, no. When you hear Bishop says, and I heard the voice, let me tell you what he's doing is um, he's demonstrating how clear his conviction was. I got what I'm saying to you. He's clear, demonstrating how clear his conviction was. You shouldn't be hearing voices. If you're hearing voices, see me after service. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. No. Okay. It's a serious matter. Hallelujah. So from chapter 12, right? Um, Abraham went because God said. And then he got to Egypt. He first got to Egypt because even the, the particular place that he would stop, he did not use. And that's one thing about walking by faith. Walking by faith is a beautiful adventure. Because your faith is in God, you don't need the security of knowing exactly where something will end. Do you understand that? Oh, do you understand what I just said? Because that's what faith is. Faith is actually believing in God. Your faith is in God. That's why when things go wrong around you, or when you don't have some kind of external collateral or security, you can still continue doing what you believe is right. Because that's what faith is about. Actually, walking by faith is not necessarily certainty about how your life will turn out. Hi, did you hear what I just said? Write it down. Faith is not necessarily having certainty about how your life will turn out. Faith is believing and trusting in God that your life will turn out well because your life is in God's hands. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? This idea of because I don't know exactly what is going to happen tomorrow. Can you call, can you call? That means that faith means you must, know, must believe God for... You know, calm down. Relax. It's, that's not faith is. Faith is in God. So that's why the man actually passed Canaan. If you understand the map from, from where Babylon is, right? Lower Mesopotamia, where Abraham's ancestors were from, and migrated westward. He actually got to North Africa, past the place where he was going to. They now held down his wife because they did not tell him anything. God just said, be going, and he was going. That is faith. Sometimes some things happen in the faith lane when you are trusting God that seem funny. And it's like as if, that's why, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why this narrow teaching of faith is the problem. That if something goes wrong, it's because you do not have enough faith. You run it. Like one example I always say, because this one is, is, is not offense, I forgive him, right? But it's a very good example. My wife lost her dad. 
People come and say, ah, you do not raise him back to the dead because you do not have enough faith. I beg you in the name of God, don't ever say that to anybody. You say, if you have strong faith, you can raise him for you. What is that? A man walking by faith, things can go wrong because look wrong, in quotes. Things cannot go wrong because he's in faith. God is in control. So even if it feels like as if things are not going right, God is in control. That's what faith is. You can have uncertainties. You cannot know how exactly things will turn out. It doesn't matter because God is in what? Control. So the guy even overshot where he was supposed to get to. He got to North Africa, right? And then there, they harassed him. They took his wife. And then God turned it around and made him richer. Then he now stood up and started going eastward again in the direction of where he should go to. Do you understand what's happening here? Verse 13. And because him and his boys, him and his boy now got rich. Um, they, now, they now got to Canaan here. Now they got to Canaan, right? They came back westward towards Judea, right? That's the, um, the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea, right? So they got there, and Lot and Abraham's guys, could not, the land could not contain them again. And then he had to separate from his boy. And that is what, this is another thing about faith. Because you believe in God and you don't believe in the things in yourself, in your, in your pocket, you don't believe in yourself, there's nothing that you cannot let go. Do you understand that? If you are too attached to material things because you, you, your heart's security is based on those material things, you are too attached to your savings. You are too, I'm not saying you should not be attached to your savings, though, but if you are too attached to it, your entire confidence, your persuasion that your life will be okay is based on the amount that's in your savings. That's what your faith is in. Eh? There's a problem because you have, lost the, 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 you have lost this plot. Your faith is in God. So that if anything happens to your savings, you, can, you, are, you know you are still okay. This is the reason why Christianity has survived for 2,000 years. Despite all that has gone wrong for Christians. Because the belief of Christians is in God. Huh. This idea of faith based on material things, I was telling you that if Job was a Nigerian Pentecostal, he would have caused God. You know. Shay, you know. You know. After they've killed your wife, they've killed your children, they've taken all your property, and they've told you that confession is the way to get everything, and nothing is showing up. What, what will you say? You're now on Twitter. And then it is now telling you that everything in life is not cocoa meaningful before. That's why things are happening. The next thing you just hear is there's no God. Because you have rated God or his goodness or his existence, by how much material things are going well for you. Did you hear what I just said to you? So that is the reason why Abraham can confidently tell Lot, go and take that one. I will stay in this one that is not nice. Because he knows what he heard. And his faith is in God, not in the thing happening. If you, if you understand real faith, nothing in this world, someone broke up with you, he broke your heart, and he left you, your faith is in God. Not in that person. Come on, Lord. You don't even know whether God has saved you from a, a, a bullet. You dodged a bullet. Even if the person was good, God will bring another good one. Because your faith is in God. Hmm. So, all together. Do you see the reason why Abraham's story is the real story of faith? Do you see? Then, that same. So, because you are able to release things, Easily because you believe in God. You are not offended when people leave. Because you cannot fake not being offended. Do you understand that? You cannot fake it. 
You know this thing I say, I'm not angry with him, I'm forgiving him. But when you see his WhatsApp status, you can feel a little familiar spirit in your chest getting angry. You say, I'm not angry, I'm forgiving, let him go, let him go, I'm not angry. You see, God is forgiving him, but you cannot even talk to the person, you can't stand the person. You see the person's tweet and you just roll your eyes. You are offended, you are angry. Stop saying you are not angry, you are angry. <laughs> The reason why it is possible for you, for Abraham to, for Lot in chapter 14 to enter trouble, and Abraham will, will risk his entire clan for the sake of Lot and his family. The reason why Abraham could do that was that Abraham was never angry in the first place. The reason why he was never angry in the first place was because Lot was never the issue. Lot betraying him or breaking off from him was never the issue. That's why in the believers, believers that have you understand some things now. When you read Christian, old Christians in Christian history that they did some crazy things and you look at yourself and be like, how do these guys do these things? They will say, stop preaching the gospel. A lion will kill you. You will say, um, all of you, on that, you know, what's the name of that Roman emperor? You say, some of the Christians among you, you, every Bible must be born and then some Christians among you now go and deliver the Bible to the man and then, and then you see people were not angry. People forgive. You see some Christians in the Rwandan genocide that if someone came raped his mother, raised his father, killed everybody, you still forgive. How is that possible? It's not look like, oh my God is helping some people. Calm down. God is helping all of us. The reason why you cannot do it is because you don't have faith. You think you have faith, but you don't have faith. When your faith is in God, as in the Christian teaching of faith, when your faith is in God, when all these things are changing, it does not move you. God will help us. So that's why Abraham was able to go and save Lot. And the Bible says that after he conquered them, he came back. And then they wanted to give him some of the reason. And he said, and he lifted up his hand. And he now says that I've sworn that I would never take anything from you. So you know, say you made me rich. That is the statement of a man of faith. That is a man that his eyes are, is on God. Do you know why? A man that his eyes is on God does not look to men for anything. And so that's why the man can risk things for the sake of his reputation, for the sake of his faith. You can say, that's when you can say stuff like that, like, um, um, I've sworn that no man will ever make me rich. Faith is the cornerstone of the Christian's integrity. When you say a Christian that has integrity, that um, material opportunities do not change his principles, it's because of faith. Because this Nigeria will test your principles. This Nigeria that we are in, it will test your principles. You think you're a moral person. That's why this idea of, you understand why the gospel, Apostle Paul come and say, faith is what you should have before you worry about morality. Because if you have faith, morality will flow. This is the reason why. A man that truly believes in God, Nigeria will, Nigeria will test your principles. You think that you cannot do some things because everything is going all right for you. You don't believe in God, but you think you can, move, you can do anything. Wait. You will go through some challenges. Eh? You will go through some challenges that it will be like as if it is die, do or die. That is just a little, a little sin, a little. Sometimes it's not even clear cut that it's a sin. It's just a little gray area. The reason why you will not do it will not be your rationalization of your ethics at that time. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It will not be your rationalization of your ethics. You can't, there are some temptations you cannot rationalize the ethics of it. It is only your faith in God, your belief in God's character that will stop, that will stop you. 
Guys, listen to me. These Lagos girls are not smiling. As you get tired, you will face some challenges and some temptations. The reason why you will not do some things is not because it's not convenient. It's not possible. I'm telling you, there are some adultery where they will tell you from the beginning, nobody will know. It's between me and you. So the fear of them casting you is taken care of. Now some, you see adultery between two married people, a man and a married man, a married woman, and both of them have mutually assured destruction. If you cast me, you two, you don't cast. So the security of committing adultery is okay. Nobody will know. And the woman at home is annoying you. The man at home is annoying you. At that point, like I said, you have even disengaged from the marriage. The only thing that will keep you is that you believe in God. This thing I'm saying, I know what I'm saying, no. If there's any way you can write it down, never forget. Believe in God. That's why it's the same like as if the people that are always calling Christians, they have big churches and everything, you still be hearing scandals among them because they don't have real faith. They don't have real belief in God. They don't. Because their own idea of belief in God is God has helped us to, to get a bigger auditorium. That's their own idea. of That's not faith. Hmm. Are we together, church? Chapter 15. And then the story of chapter 15 comes and then God makes a covenant with Abraham and now says that, see, um, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. You know, God came to top up. And that's one, thing, that's one beautiful thing about God. That's one good thing about God. Our God does not, he does not mise evidence for faith. He does not mise it. Whenever you feel like as if your convictions are coming down, God will supply evidence. Whenever you are no more believing in yourself and in the calling that you have, God will supply evidence. God will come and top up your faith. That's, one, that's something I'm about to come to now that used to vex me a lot about the way people preach Abraham and with all respect to all our fathers that have gone ahead of us, but that thing is wrong and it seems to pain me. And I will not say it the way it seems paining me. I'll just say it like a, like a good pastor, child of God, right? See, what now happened is that Abraham now says, God, I'm childless. You are giving me no children. And the God now says that, see, I'm going to give you a child. Don't worry. God just says, I will give you a child. Do not tell him where the child will come from in chapter 15. God says, I'll give you a child. And then God gave me a word of prophecy to confirm that it's God that's talking to you. And that prophecy was also fulfilled in the time of Moses. I went to get that church. And so he sacrificed and everything. And then Sarah now came in chapter 16 and says, come and have, come and take Hagar because we don't have children. And in those days, a woman can marry a woman in the sense that sometimes we know these people, they try to distort it and say, when you read history, African history, all those Middle Eastern history, and they say, a woman married a woman. They make it sound like as if they were lesbians. They're not lesbians. You're not lesbian. Don't try and anachronistically transfer your evil spirit on them. When they say a woman married a woman, it means what it meant to be a woman in those days or a wife in those days is not just child-bearing responsibilities. It's not just them being a female. It's things like child-bearing responsibilities and taking care of the person you are married to. So when an older woman says she's marrying a younger wife, what it means is that she's bringing a, woman, a younger woman into her home that will be cooking for her and will bear children that will be her children. Do you understand that? It's not that they were having sex. So that's what actually what Hagar was doing here. It was a culture. He said, let me marry Sarah for you so that her child will be my child. And then because I'm the Yale, if it's your child, it's definitely my child and they can have our inheritance. Do you understand that? So it wasn't strange. It was not lesbianism. Let's continue, shall And so Abraham said, okay. He listened to his wife and he 
went in to Hagar, right? And then Hagar gave birth. And then um, verse chapter 17 now tells us that after that, after he has given birth, God now shows up again and now says, walk before me and be blameless. And then some people have said that because Abraham did something wrong by having Ishmael, God now showed up and said, Make, um, walk before me and be blameless. Now see, Abraham made a mistake. He was not listening to God. God said it was Sarah that will have Isaac because the promise was in Sarah. And therefore, Abraham now went by the flesh. Ah, no, maybe I've even thought it before. It's possible. God have mercy. You see, and so Abraham now made a mistake and he should know that. So when you are walking by faith, don't walk by the flesh. Can you call, can you call? Fa, 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 fa. Ishmael was the will of God. God, go and check. On purpose, God did not tell Abraham. God just told him you will have a son. He did not tell him the wife that will come through. Go and check. It was after he had born Ishmael. He now says, um, you are going to have a child. He now says, which child again? I already had Ishmael now. Let your blessing be on Ishmael. He said, no, don't worry. It's actually Hagar will come through. I said, why didn't you say it since? Why? Because he was using it as a type. Go and read Galatians chapter 4. It was necessary that Ishmael came before Isaac because the law must come before the gospel, the grace. Ishmael, God planned it that Ishmael must come before Isaac because the law must come before grace. So it was God's plan. why I didn't tell him. Abraham did not make a mistake. It was God's will. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Do you know what I just said now? You think God's mouth was paining him before he went into Hagar that did not tell him, guy, it's not Hagar with Sarah so that he would have known. He didn't know it was God's will. And as I was telling you guys about walking by faith, everything is a green light until it is a what? Red. As long as you are acting like a believer, your head is correct. You are using your brain and you are walking on God's word. See, keep going until God says don't go. Do you know what I just said to you? It's a green light. Listen to me. It's not every time you say, um, God, um, should I apply? You don't have work. Or God, apply. You say, God, tell me the exact complete. Apply to all of them. Go to LinkedIn and apply. Until it is a red. It's always a green light until it is a red. God, this Nigeria is stressing me. I want to travel abroad. It's a green light until it is a what? Red. Apply. Look for apply for the Canada and everything until it is a red. In the same thing with me. For at a point, my wife and I will say, okay, we are going towards UK. We are going to write plan. And then it was a green light until God said, Yeah, you are not going anywhere. You are staying here. Say okay, sir. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. So for Abraham, it was the same thing. It was a green light until God now said, no, chapter 17 now says that actually um, it is true Hagar that is going to be your promise. Church, all together. Then in verse 18, three angels now showed up. And it, it, do you see the story now? Three, the angels did not show up. They wanted Ishmael to be born first. After Ishmael was born, God now said, I will give you the covenant of circumcision. It's going to come through Isaac. He's, your wife is still going to born. Abraham said, wala wulele. While he was still thinking about it, three angels now showed up and now said, by this time next year, you go born. And then Sarah laughed. And Sarah laughed. And the angel said, why is Sarah laughing? He said, I do not laugh. Come on, get out. And she had a child. So that's why another thing, this idea, so see something. Ah, God, this thing I'm about to shake. Galatians chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 11 and Romans chapter 4 tells us that Sarah was also in faith. And she believed God when he promised. This was the same Sarah that when an angel said something that by this time next year, your son will be born. She laughed. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So a believer can be in a position where God's word will come to you and you have a sense of uncertainty at first. And it's like as if, how can this thing be? 
That is not the reason why God will not do it in your life. You know, there's a way they used to tell us that um, the reason why God will not do something is because you do not believe it very well. Listen to me. There are some things that God will tell you that will first shake you. This idea that faith is about the force of your will is not. <laughs> Hallelujah. Church, you see that? Church, are we together? And then we see the story of Sodom. And then Sodom, ah, God, I don't even want to go into all these ones as by the faith lane and everything. And so we know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, how Lot ran away, and then Abraham and Abimelech. Abimelech did the same thing to um, Hagar again. This thing happened between one year. And then in chapter 21, um, Abraham, I, um, Hagar now puts to bed. Hallelujah. And then, just like God intended, immediately put to bed and wanted to win the child, Ishmael went to persecute Isaac because the law was meant to persecute the, the, uh, the grace. Do you understand that? The law was meant to persecute grace. So Ishmael now began to persecute Isaac, just as God intended before time began. Abraham did not make a mistake. Tell your neighbor, Abraham did not make a mistake. Tell them, Abraham is a man of faith. Be like Abraham. So hmm. out together. And so because God in his faithfulness is not a user, we know the story about um, God now says you should listen to um, his wife, Sarah. And so Abraham was always listening to his wife. So a man of faith listens to his wife. It shock you. If you don't listen to your wife, you're not a man of faith. <laughs> he was always listening to his wife. And guess what? Every time he listened to his wife, he was making a pivotal decision that was in line with the purpose of God. You people that are married to understand what I'm saying. If you want to make plenty of mistakes in your life, don't listen to your wife. I'm telling you. Let me... Let me all of you are going to get married. Let me tell you your future now. You are going to have this conversation with your life many times before you die. That conversation will be, Shebi, did I not tell you? If you had listened to me, this wouldn't have happened. Go and check. And every time you have that conversation, text me and say, Pastor Sam, you were right. <laughs> so travel together. So he listened to his wife again, and it was and he said, God, the angel told him that see, your wife is correct. Let him go. And then God blessed Ishmael and Hagar. Hallelujah. In chapter 22, the culmination of the story. Hallelujah. God now says, and the Bible now says that God tested Abraham and he said to Abraham, Here I am. And I say, God said, Take your son, your only son. The reason why, you know, that thing used to say that, ah, why would God say, um, Why would God say, Is Isaac is his only son? As if God did not recognize Ishmael and all that. In context, the reason why that statement was made was because Ishmael had left the house. Do you understand now? Jonathan, now. Have you guys not heard that thing before? That God said, Isaac, your son, your only son. So there are some things that you do that God does not reckon them. Mm -mm. In context, the reason why is because Ishmael was not in the house. Ishmael has gone. This was many years after. Isaac was now a man. You know that story was when Isaac was a baby. Do you understand now? Isaac was now a man that can beat his father. He was now a man. It was now a proper sacrifice because if you go and want to sacrifice a baby that cannot fight back, it's small. That's why this story of faith was actually the faith of two people, Abraham and Isaac. It was now a man. It was a man that could reject. That is why, ah, Jesus. That's why what Jesus accomplished for us was the goodwill of the father and the son. The father willed it and the son submitted to it. Now, this story was important to be enacted ahead of time. So that all of us at the ears of Abraham can see what was happening. So that just like the father has said, 
I want to sacrifice my son. The son will also agree and say, God will provide. It was important. So God wanted this thing enacted. And then the Bible says that God tested Abraham and said, go and sacrifice your son, your only son. And then we know the rest of the story. Abraham loaded him up and now said, Ah, Father, where is the ram that you are going to kill? Ah, there are two statements that are powerful like that. Two statements that are powerful and those stories, they have parallels. Maybe we should start doing mystery. <laughs> Abraham said, and Abraham told him, God will provide. And Isaac believed. It's very similar to the story of when angel showed up and told Mary, um, all this is going to happen to you. And he said, how shall these things be? And he told that. He now said, be it unto me according to your word. So when Abraham said that statement and said God will provide, it was not faith confession, in quotes, like we usually say it. The writer of Hebrews already tells us what happened. When he made that statement, he made that statement as someone that knew God. What did he know about God? God told me that is in this particular one that my descendants will cover the entire world. It is in this particular one. And God cannot lie. Therefore, if he says this one should die, it means, and it is him. You know you can warn yourself and say, maybe another one is coming. Abraham actually believed God. And he said, God said it is this one. And because it is this one, even if this one dies, he will still come back to life. Because it is him. So the Bible tells us that, the writer of Hebrews now tells us that the guy believed, Abraham believed, that even if he dies, that God was able to raise him up again. So when um, Abraham made that statement and said, God will provide, that is the statement of a man of faith, that I know God will provide. This one will not die. Even if he dies, he's going to come back. See, that's why there's some things about faith, and that's what the question of sacrifice comes in. There are some things about your faith work. There are some things we're going to sacrifice. All of us in common are going to have to make sacrifices for. All of us are going to make some sacrifices in common. All of us. There are some things that pertain to that. For example, Matthew 16, verse 24 and 20. Jesus says that anybody going to follow me must pick up your cross and deny yourself of the world. What does it cost a man to win the world and lose his world? So, Matthew 16, verse 24 and 26. Please write that down. Time is almost up. Ah, time is even up. <laughs> Praise God. Right? He now says... Um, you're going to, everybody wants to follow Jesus must sacrifice themselves. It is, you can't do anything about it. And then there's some sacrifices that are particular to you based on what God has revealed to you as a person. This was the case of Abraham. There's some things that you cannot share. There's some things that cannot be repeated. Listen to me. Don't come and tell us that you heard a voice that told you that you should sacrifice your child. Abraham's sacrifice was once and for all. Just like Jesus was once and for all. Nobody is sacrificing their child again. Because God never even intended for Abraham to, for Isaac to be sacrificed, which we already, which we already know that Abraham already knew that God will provide, and that is what faith is. So what that means, and this is where Abraham was coming from, when you believe in God and you believe His will and you are working accordingly, in order for you to enter what God has planned, you will have to let go of some things. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? You will have to let go of some things. Some pleasures, some things will be demanded of you to let go of that you have to let go. Because those things, you cannot hold them and hold the purpose of God for your life at the same time. It was important for Abraham to understand because we, all of us are going to have be the faith of Abraham in every sense. It was important for Abraham to do this in the same way. It will be very important for you to do certain things you have to let go of certain pleasures 
for the will of God to be done in your life. You have to. Once you know God and you know his will, there are some things that you have to let go of and it will be painful. And it will be painful. You grow up in certain family households and they have filled your head with anti-Christian value systems for marriage. And you have filled your heart with the security of those things for you to get married. If you are going to have the kind of marriage that God intends for you to marry, you are going to draft to sacrifice all those things for the sake of the purpose of God for your life. There are some places that you cannot go to. You have to sacrifice those things for the sake of the gospel. You know what? We'll continue on Wednesday. Time has gone. Bow down your head and pray. We'll continue on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.